Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel here with Jeremy McPeak. Uh, this is part of our Next Up Partner series. We're going to talk all, all about the business of social media and even a little bit of digital media. Um, you know, Jeremy got to see it from the ground up at the Phoenix Suns when he was there uh, as VP of um, brand and, and digital strategy. And, you know, Jeremy's got a lot of experience. We'll get into it in terms of different sports, different leagues, different brands celebrities and so on. Um, plenty of interviews. Gosh, I, I shouldn't be the, you know, you've, you've interviewed more people than you shouldn't be answering the <laughs> question in the sense. Um, you know, I feel honored. But Jeremy, when you think about social media and digital media from a team perspective, from a league perspective, let's just dive into where is it going? And we'll get to kind of where it started. But, but right now, where is it going? And where are the opportunities that exist currently? Wow, that's a big question. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Jake, and, and for buttering me up there at the beginning. That was that was nice of you. My my agent must have slipped you some some extra money on the side, but uh, very nice of you. Excited to join you. Um, in terms of social media and where it's going, I mean, it just keeps growing. Um, literally, literally every three months, uh, the different platforms are adding new features and functionality um, to take advantage of. And uh, I think it's probably, I can, I, I think I can still speak for a lot of the teams and leagues, even though I'm not currently working uh, full-time for a team or league in that it, it's, it's almost overwhelming at times to try and figure out what to take advantage of and what to use. Um, you know, now there's all these, these audio platforms from clubhouse to Twitter spaces. And it's like, oh, wow, now I got to figure out what to do, how to create audio content and create compelling content for, for fans to go and, and join these, these uh, audio rooms. Um, or do you not do that? You just focus on your core. It's, 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 um, it's exciting because there are so many different things you can do, but it's also a little overwhelming because there's so much to try and figure out and, and determine where to put your resources and where to put your focus and spend your time um, to really get the, the biggest uh, return on your, your time investment. Well, and, and with that, you know, from a resources perspective, like, yes, um, digital media and social media staffs have been building up over time, so, you know, similar to yeah. the analytical space, but it's not like it's this massive ticket sales department, right? I mean, you don't have 20 people managing your social media. It's usually one or two at most. Right. Um, you might have someone that's working on, you know, content or graphics and whatnot, but just from a resource perspective, where do you focus your time? Yes, you want to worry about some of the emerging, whether it's TikTok and, and the others, but at the same time, to your point, focusing on the core audience that you are, you have already engaged and keep them engaged. Um, again, how do you go about the strategy and also just working with it within your resources as well? Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest key is being open and being willing to be flexible and be willing to shift on the fly and to experiment and try things here and there and see what works for you. Um, you can't, you can't go into uh, a season and say, this is my set strategy and this is what we're doing. Because again, 
three months from now, something totally might change. Facebook may change its algorithm and suddenly it doesn't make sense to be producing video there anymore. I don't expect that to happen, but you know, just as, as an example, uh, you have to be flexible and willing to adjust, but, but it is, it is challenging. Most teams have two or three people that are helping or contributing to social along with, you know, like you said, a graphic design person, a video production person, a, a photographer. Um, so it's not, it's not all that different than, you know, years ago when we had our team websites and that was our main channel and our focus and we had the, the team had a photographer and the video department was producing some video content for you and the creative services team was doing graphics for the website. Um, now it's just all these different channels at once that you're trying to figure out where to put content and what content works best on each. Well, and, and there's so many events and there's so many things that you could potentially post throughout a 365 day calendar. Yeah, for sure. What do you decide when go, you know, what goes where and when, and, you know, then you, are you posting in the morning versus at night versus in the middle of the day? I mean, just some of those things to highlight for others of just what to think about. All of the above. <laughs> You're posting at morning, morning, noon, night, uh, midnight, middle of the night for your fans overseas. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't have a good answer. I wish I did. I don't know that anybody does, to be honest, you can, you can get, uh, the lead social media people from the NBA and the NFL and, and WWE and the biggest brands in the world. And each one of them will probably have a slightly different take on this and a slightly different, um, strategy or opinion, but I don't know that anybody would claim or, or have the right to claim that they're the expert and they know exactly how to do it. Um, because again, it, it's constantly changing and, but that's what makes it exciting and fun too. You know, every day is different. You're not, you're not doing the same job today that you were uh, five years ago, let alone five months ago. Um, it's constantly evolving. That's really what I fell in love with personally in terms of the digital space, that there's always new things to learn and try and challenge yourself on and, and uh, new opportunities to really try and take advantage of. What are the skills that you need to be, you know, not only successful in that space, but then continue to be seen as a, uh, a valuable resource or, you know, I know you said no one's an expert, but, but trying to become an expert in that field. Yeah, that's, that's changed too. I mean, there's so, there's so many different skills that you can um, really uh, focus in on and kind of master and become a really important contributor to a team. Uh, whether that's the, uh, the, the video producer and editor who is learning really how to produce some really dramatic, cool, behind the scenes, exclusive, real-time content. And they're, you know, they're um, shooting it in uh, the horizontal, but then also figuring out how to use vertical content and get that content edited quickly with the right music and right, right graphics and, and transitions and, and be able to post it within a half hour or an hour after an event takes place. Um, graphic designers are really becoming important for, for social media as well and be able to, being able to create motion graphics. So that's like a whole nother uh, separate skill set. Um, in terms of kind of general social media strategy and, and content production, I think it's really important to be a storyteller. Um, so I feel like, um, you know, this is me being a little biased because I, I was a journalism major in college and got a journalism degree. And so I really focused at that point long before digital, which we'll talk about, but um, I really focused on telling stories, the best way to get the best interviews, how to write properly, use the right, correct grammar, how to write leads that hook people and headlines that hook people and being able to kind of figure out how to tell a story through social, um, both through the written word, the video, the visual, the graphics. Um, I think all, putting all those pieces together is really important. So, so 
having someone that kind of has that skill set of understanding storytelling in in the big picture, even if they don't know how to personally edit a video or create a, you know, an award winning graphic. Um, I think that's really key. Well, 40 characters can only take you so far, right? So you got to understand how to communicate with others in, in various ways. And full disclosure, I probably should have said this at the beginning of the episode. I'm only on LinkedIn. I have nothing else. And wow, I got, how about that? And I and I got rid of my- You're, that, you're that one guy. I'm that one guy where I got rid of my <laughs> over, gosh, four or five years ago to where I just said, like, I, I don't want to spend my time on it, right? Yeah. And it's not that I don't want to learn or I don't want to, you know, follow certain people. I keep in touch with them in different ways, right? More, a little sure. bit more intentional. However, I still understand there's, there's a, a very high level of importance to it uh, in terms of building your brand and, and so on. But from a personal brand perspective, right? We're just talking about what skills are needed. Well, someone graduating from a, a, you know undergrad or grad you know, program could go, well, I've got a really good social media following. Like, why couldn't I do that for, for a team or a league? Well, it's not that simple. Right. I'd have to imagine as, as we've kind of talked about, but also what we'll get into is there's a lot more complexities to it. Now there's a business behind it, um, sponsorships and so on. So just dive in Absolutely. how that's really evolving. And um, as more and more resources are thrown at it, it's because there are dollars to also be made from it and not just fans to be gained in a sense. Yeah, no question. You know, early on, it was strictly a communication channel and, and it was a one-way channel where we were, we were just blasting out, you know, information and hoping fans would be happy to get that. And then over time, it became a two-way channel where you really had to kind of communicate with fans and, and uh, interact with them and thank them for their support and their engagement and invite them into the conversation and, and uh, really monitor what people were saying for a customer service tool as well. And then it's just continued to evolve, as you said. Um, now it's so important for everything from ticket sales to merchandise sales to promoting the, uh, the new uh, unique concessions in your ballpark or your stadium that people can get um, to all those sponsorship activations, all those marketing partnership activations, um, incorporating, uh, you know, certain content is presented by a partner. Other content is uh, kind of a native integration where that product is incorporated into the video, whatever it is. Um, or finding the best, I think the best case scenario is when it's a, it's really powerful, engaging content for fans that fans are going to want and really puts your brand in a good spotlight, but at the same time incorporates that, that sponsor in a way that feels natural and feels um, like they're a part of it. They're getting their exposure, but it's not all about them. It's still about your brand and the team because that's what they want. But, but yeah, there's a million different ways to, to sell sponsorships for social media now. And it's, uh, I think, the teams that are taking advantage of that and not just um, asking their sales team to, to post a logo about a, uh, a sale going on at the local grocery store. Um, that stuff makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, teams may be able to get some dollars from a, uh, their sponsors for that kind of thing, but it just hurts the brand overall and fans turns fans off. So um, the teams that are really taking advantage of finding creative ways to integrate partners and working closely with their digital teams to come up with what that creative content is that fans are going to want, that's when it really benefits both, both sides. Clarify all, all three sides, the, the fan, the team, and the sponsor. That's really what's well, yeah. And, and as you think about where kind of the revenue flows through and, and from, right, your sponsors are integrated within potentially tickets and merchandising, depending on, um, you know, what kind of partners you're working with, 
then you're talking about the fan who's engaging. You're trying to get your fan engaged in a multitude of ways and not just watching on TV or just following on social media or just going to a game. Right. How can you get them engaged in, in a multitude of ways? Um, but clarify something for us here in terms of, you know, the listeners in that social media versus digital media, the difference. And yes, there's a bunch of different social media platforms, but digital media and kind of where digital media extends to now. Yeah, I mean, different people would probably give you different answers on that one too. But in my mind, um, I think of social media as as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, um, YouTube to a degree. And I think of digital media more as, um, you know, digital media ad buys, um, TV commercials on the over-the-top networks, um, ads, ad buys on YouTube, um, uh you know, websites you could you could say are digital media, email newsletters, uh, mobile apps to a degree um, have digital media components of them. Um, but uh, so I, I see them a little different, but they but they all complement each other too. And a lot of times it's the same team and same people that are working on all of the above. What from a from a growth perspective, uh, we'll, we'll go back to kind of where you saw it grow from the ground up uh, at the Suns in that. You know, you were there. We, we didn't even have um, you know apps and and smartphones and at one point in time. And then you've kind of seen it grow naturally over that you know extended period of time. What was the aha moments of like, wow, this is really going to go somewhere? Back in whatever year that was. Aha moment. Wow, that's a good question. Um... Like, did you ever think it was going to get this big? No, no, I wish I did. I had no idea. Um, no, I would have invested what little money I had in MySpace or, <laughs> or something at that point. Um, I think the, the biggest aha moment for me, and this is really dating me, but in 2000, um, we bought our first ever digital camera at the Suns. And it, uh, it took pictures on floppy disks. And each floppy disk would hold about five photos. And so we had to bring about a hundred floppy disks with us to training camp that year. And we would, you know, pull, pull the disks out and throw them in the bag after they were full and put a new one in and, um, and, and then just fill up all those disks until we got to go back to the hotel and, and edit those photos. Um, but that really was the eye opener because th those days at training camp, we were uploading those photos directly to our website and we were seeing fans respond and interact with them and, and saw the page views spike. And it was like, wow, people are like craving this content like in, in real time, you know, or the same day. Um, whereas before we would, you know, in the past we would write an article or take photos and, and um, produce a magazine that would, that would go to fans and they would get it in their mailbox, uh, you know, a month later. Or we'd write an article that we'd write for two or three days and put it on the website, you know, after the fact. And so that was really the moment where we thought, wow, maybe should we, we should really be focused more on our website and keeping fans updated every day rather than focusing all our money and time and effort into this magazine. Um, and so we, we actually went to our team president at the time and said, hey, what would you think if we, you know, stopped publishing this magazine that we were spending, you know, almost $200,000 a year publishing and mailing out to fans? And mailing out to like 15,000 fans all in Arizona 
and said, what if we canceled that and saved that money and instead hire an extra one or two people to help create content for our website? We just focus on our website. And that was kind of a scary day because my job was the magazine first and foremost. And so I basically was asking him if we could eliminate my job. <laughs> and, um, but he loved the idea of saving $200,000. And so it's was like, yeah, let's go for it. So that was kind of the start for us when we put all our focus on the website and trying to create content in, in same day. I won't call it real time because it wasn't real time at that point. But that was kind of the aha moment. And that really, everything grew from there. You know, it wasn't long before we were streaming live video of Steve Nash's introductory press conference in 2004. And um, soon after had our MySpace page and then uh, YouTube and then Facebook and then along came Twitter and Instagram and a mobile app and everything just kind of exploded from that point forward. But that was really the moment when we realized, you know, we have a chance to reach fans all over the world, not just in Arizona, and we can do it in, uh, you know, in, in close to real time, same day to, to let them know what's going on and keep them connected to us. As you think about the fan base in which you grew, what was kind of the biggest thing that you saw from a fan base perspective to go? Obviously you went, there were fans outside of Arizona. You just, you didn't know as much, right. Sure. Or you weren't as aware, but from a fan base perspective, what did that allow you to do? And did you have more insights on who your fans were outside of, uh, you know, the Valley? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, we still didn't uh, for a long time, know who they were like we didn't know their them as by their names and their email addresses and that kind of thing but um we could we could look at the analytics that were provided by the you know the nba and see that we had fans from 200 different countries visiting sons.com each year and we could see that there were um eight visits every year from the vatican um and like you know, no idea why. I don't know if somebody at the Vatican was a Steve Nash fan or, or what was going on there. But every year, like seven or eight visits would come from the Vatican. And we could see all these different countries that fans were coming from. And that that was that was uh, shocking to a degree. I mean, we knew that the NBA was a global game. That was something the NBA commissioner, David Stern, was constantly talking about. And they were doing overseas trips, uh, you know, preseason games. And the Suns actually held training camp in Italy in 2006. I was fortunate enough to go on that trip and kind of cover that. But so we knew there were fans all over the place, but we didn't know the depth of that or the breadth of that, how wide that was. Yeah, the metrics you can get now. I mean, it's incredible to understand. Yeah. And also to your point earlier, right, the storytelling component to understand the metrics so that you can enhance what you're doing from a storytelling perspective as well. Um, I want to get to a point where, you know, you've got the Suns, you've got the w WNBA property and the Mercury, and then you also have the G League, which I know was the D League at the time, but there's a different fan base for each one of those. And you're looking at different accounts and you're looking at, you know, how do I tell the story in a different and or similar way? How do you go about looking at your brand as a whole, but then having in, in a sense, three different versions of it. Add a fourth for the arena itself because the Suns operated talking what was Talking Stick Resort Arena at that point. So we also, we also had all of the arena's website and social media channels to promote Disney on Ice and, um, you know, Garth Brooks and uh, Monster Trucks and WWE and everything that was coming into the venue. So yeah, we had many different audiences between all of those channels. And, and that was a challenge trying to juggle them all. And um, each uh, each of those kind of properties had their own management 
team above them that all all um, had their expectations or their wishes for what we would do on the digital and social platform. So it was a challenge at times to try and make sure everybody's happy and feels everyone feels like they're getting their their uh, their due exposure and and uh, the right amount of content for their fan base. And um, so it was tricky. But we 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 kind of among our team kind of split up. Um, who was kind of the primary point person for the Phoenix Mercury and for the, the G League and for the arena. Uh, other people would contribute and help um, support those people during key times of year, but we kind of had individuals who were focused primarily on those different properties so that they could really be invested into, uh, into the storylines and what was happening and what the, the key points of uh, messaging were that needed to go out day to day. As you look at your journey, you know, you had a quick stint with, with the XFL helping a little bit there. Um, you've done some other work across, obviously you have your own business and some different clients. And what's the biggest thing that you've learned, you know, coming from that journalism degree at ASU, which great school for that, right? And, and yeah. kind of moving Go Devils. way through the different parts of the industry within just journalism as a whole, where media is going. Um, for, for those who want to get into that space, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? Um, I think the, well, there are a few lessons to be honest, but I think, um, one of the biggest is to, uh, never get too high on yourself, um, or too high on your, your accomplishments. Never feel like, um, uh, because we were, because we won this award, um, because we were called, um, leaders in this area, because we were, recognized at a conference, whatever, whatever it may be, never uh, let that get to your head and make you feel like you know everything. Um, because again, it's changing so much and so fast that you can't know everything. You may be really good at something or, or really good for a while in a certain area, um, but three more platforms are going to launch or new tools are going to launch or some other team is going to come along and think of a totally different way to do things. Um, so really it was about that lesson was about, um, being open-minded and being willing to try things and willing to experiment and willing to learn. Um, I remember in 2000 and, and this, this all kind of is summed up in this story, but in 2007, um, we were, uh, presented with the NBA's website of the year award, uh, at the league meetings. And there were probably 250, 300 NBA executives at this, these league meetings in New Orleans. And um, it was the first time the league had ever given this award away. And all the teams voted on which team deserved the award. And we won that first award. And Commissioner Stern invited me to come up on stage and presented me with a crystal trophy. You know, I felt like I was the MVP of the league, you know, getting this crystal trophy from the commissioner. And, um, you know, at that point, I thought, you know, yeah, we deserve this award because we are the best. We've got a great team. We know what we're doing. We're, we're, we're killing it on our, on our website and our content. And at those exact same meetings, someone from the NBA uh, team, Bo, um, team marketing and business operations presented to the teams and talked to us about how we really need to start thinking outside of our websites. We need to really have a presence on YouTube and we need to have a presence on MySpace and and this new thing, Facebook is coming along that we should look at. And, and I remember sitting in this meeting, just like in, in my mind, rolling my eyes, thinking, 
why would we want to do that? None of that makes sense at all. This is the, the dumbest advice the league could possibly give us because our website is where we sell our tickets. Our website is where the sponsor ads are. That's where we're making money. Why are we going to put our stuff in these other places? And if we do that, fans are going to stop coming to the website if they can get their stuff in these other places. And I was partially right in that over time, fans kind of stopped going to team websites. I mean, they still do on occasion. They still do to maybe buy their tickets or check the schedule, but they're not going there day to day for news and content because they get those in those other places. So I was right about that, but I was, I was way off base in thinking that it was the wrong place to be um, because it just, it allows you to be where your fans are. If they're spending time in all these other places, you need to be there because that's where you're going to reach them now. And so I've always thought back to that 2007 league meetings where we won this award and I thought we were the, you know, we were the, the bomb in terms of that. That's a really dated word, but that's probably a 2007 word. We thought we were the, uh, we were the best, you know, there was in digital. And yet I totally dismissed this idea that we should be in other places. And um, I wish I had been more open-minded at that time because we probably would have jumped, gotten an even bigger jump start on social media and, and all those other channels if I had really been open to that. Yeah, no doubt. I think we use our lingo from certain time frames when we talk about it. <laughs> I think that's a thing. So I'm really dating myself. No, I mean, I mean, it's it's that's a fascinating story, right? Because at the end of the day, you're trying to figure out how you get better. But at the same time, how do you leverage what you're currently doing to continue to expand upon the success, right? And there's there's that fine balance. Um, I want to transition into our, our brain fuel segment because, you know, when you think about the day in day out grind, as you mentioned with social media, right? You've got to be able to get locked in. You've got to be able to focus for, you know, a long extended period of time. You mentioned, you, you know, you're posting at midnight and then in the morning and, and so on, you know, and I think about um, how you mentally prepare to get sucked into the social media world, right? Cause it's, it's, it's nonstop. You, you have to actually stop yourself right from probably looking at different feeds and so on how do you prepare yourself mentally for a day like that each day yeah each day that's um that's a tough one it's um i'm I'm not great at it um but uh you know i i i am a, a man of faith so i i i pray a lot about my life in general, about what I've got going on and um, asking for guidance in, in terms of what I'm doing and asking for wisdom and for bigger decisions. But I think day to day, you know, I really try to spend time the night before thinking about what I've got to do tomorrow and looking at my calendar and trying to figure out, okay, I know I've got these eight things I've got to do. Where do I have a window I can fit these in and really try to plan out my day and keep it organized. Um, but it's, it's a challenge and I, I'm a very, I get distracted easily as well. So um, social media is, makes it tough because I'll go to Facebook to post something for one client. And as soon as I open Facebook, I see something from a friend that, oh, what's that? Oh, I don't know. I didn't know about that. And so next thing you know, I'm chatting that person or, you know, or, um, and then 10, 15 minutes will go by. And I was like, I don't have any idea what I was why I went to Facebook in the first place. What was I supposed to be posting? And then I got to go back and look at my, 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 my list of things to do. But um, yeah, trying to map it out as much as I can um, and, and trying to stay focused and not get distracted by um, whatever the latest tweet is um, that's, that's catching my eye at that moment. Well, maybe, maybe we'll have our, our guys at Brainfield send, send some your way so that uh, you can stay focused. I think that'd be a good idea. I've never tried it, but I would absolutely do that because uh, I, I could use that for sure. <laughs> the, the victory bliss is for sure one to go for, Jeremy. But okay. 
Um, is that know, chocolate, vanilla? What what flavor is Victory like Bliss? Like an orange mango kind of flavor. All right, it's that sounds good. good. Um, you know, I think when you when you think about the social media world, though, you, when you're working in it. You then also have your own. Yeah. So how do you balance that too? And do you try and build your brand in a different way, obviously, than you're building with what you've got it, you know, in front of you at work? How do you how do you manage the two? Do you even bother with your personal one, or you kind of just leave that to the side? Um, it definitely takes a backseat to all my clients. Um, it has to, um, but at the same time, I know it's important for me to try to keep updated and keep people updated on what I'm working on and what I'm doing because it helps with future clients. Um, someone will see, oh, you know, he's working for the Super Bowl this week. That's that's cool. And, you know, maybe he should help us with this event. Um, or, oh, wow, he just spent the year, you know, with the XFL. Um, you know, maybe he could help with this new, new startup sports league. And so I try to keep people updated on what I'm doing um, for my own personal brand, I guess, if you will, or for my business. But But it's tough. And I'm not I'm not nearly as active as I probably should be. Um, I don't post as often as I should be. And, and primarily that's because I'm, you know, I'm working long days and, and weeks for all my clients. And so I don't necessarily want to, in my free time, also spend time thinking of creative things to tweet or post or, you know, editing my own photos and videos to post to talk about me. So that's, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. I mean, from a, from a posting perspective, a lot of people don't even post. They just use it to follow sure. other, other things as well. Like what's the, when you think about success on social media, right? Obviously there's the revenue generation side of it from a team perspective and how can you help drive in different you know, aspects of the business, but then your personal one, like what is success or how do you, how do you go about thinking what success is for your own brand in that world? That's a tough question too. Um, I'm throwing I, a bunch of hard ones out. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Um, I think uh, just it's 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 no different. It's not that different. It's it's seeing the impressions, seeing the likes, seeing the comments, seeing if people are engaging with it and liking you know what you're putting out there. Um, but for me, a lot of times, again, it's just about keeping people informed with what's going on with my business. Um, so even if they're not necessarily saying anything or commenting back, uh, that's okay. It's, it might be, I might post something that one person remembers six months from now who needs help with social media in their company, or they, they hear about something that, um, and they think of me because they remember something I posted. So a lot of times I don't, um, I don't necessarily see the direct results right away but I will hear from somebody a year later and who says, you know, uh, I saw you were doing this, this, and this. And so I thought uh, maybe you'd be interested in helping out with this new project or new, new client we have. And um, so I, I do find that quite a bit. And uh, so that's been really beneficial. For those that work in other parts of the business, whether it be ticket sales, operations, you name it, right. But they're not like, they're not into social media or they don't, they don't perceive themselves as experts like the social media managers might within a team front office, but what do they need to do in order to just make themselves aware of the different channels, understand what they are so that they can connect the dots from their business perspective um, and not be that guy that uh, like me who doesn't have any of it. Uh, I understand it, but you know, sure. my free time. Yeah. I think uh, the number one thing I'd say to do is to, uh, 
email the social media manager at your team and ask if you could take them to lunch or ask if you can uh, go buy coffee, buy their coffee or take them to breakfast and pick their brains. Um, they're, uh, they're, they've got to eat and they've got to drink coffee at some point during the day. So uh, I'm sure they'd be happy sure, to go out with you. You got to make sure that you give them a break in their day, right? Yeah, exactly. You're trying to help them out. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure they'd be more than happy to share insight and advice and suggestions. Um, I know I, I did that a number of times with different um, coworkers who, who wanted to know how they could, um, you know, make their channel better or, or uh, put out better content or just understand it at all. I had, I had a few uh, senior level executives who didn't understand social media at all and just wanted to feel like they had at least a grasp on what it was and how it worked and, and uh, so I, I uh, spent a lot of time with them and uh, either helped create their Twitter account and got them started or, or at least uh, kind of explained the differences between the different channels and, and why each one was valuable in its own way and um, the different audiences they reached and that kind of thing. So um, I, yeah, I think, I think if you have those um, resources in your office, why not, why not take advantage of it? If I wanna learn about ticket sales, I'm gonna go to the ticket people and ask them. So same thing. That's a great point. All right, let's wrap up with a couple quick rapid fire questions. Okay, um, do your, it. your favorite channel? Instagram. Okay. What about the video component of it? Like whether it's the, the story, like who has the best story feature? Well, you know, I, I, Instagram is my favorite. I probably spend more time on Twitter because there is, um, on Twitter, I can get more news about what's happening with my favorite uh, sports teams and what's happening in the world and what's happening with the upcoming Star Wars or Marvel movies that I love or, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in professional wrestling. So I probably spend more time on Twitter and reading about what's happening. But in terms of uh, channels, I, I, I just like Instagram better. I love looking at the best pictures and the, the, uh, the videos and uh, I love stories. And so Instagram stories is my, my favorite of the story platforms to, to answer that question. Who is a follow that you just cannot have, you can't live without? You have to follow them Ooh. to understand what they're doing. Wow. Um, Rex Chapman is former, former Suns guard. Rex Chapman is fantastic, but not because he's posting anything about himself. He just, uh, he seems to be this wealth of great content that he shares every day. And some of it's really, really funny. And some of it's really, um, touching and some of it's really like uh stupid but but funny stupid so like he's a great follow for sure i would i would definitely recommend rex fun fact i went to i went to uh, high school with his kids oh is that right yep. oh, man yep. that that really dated me because he was at the suns <laughs> when i was there so <laughs> sorry was not trying to do that was not trying to do that um <laughs> last last question for you what is the next platform that you've kind of gotten a glimpse of whether it's clubhouse some of the others that you're like mm, that one could really blow up that could be big um hmm. i don't know uh because i'm not a i'm not against clubhouse or twitter spaces by any means i think there's something there of value and and uh potential there but I'm not a big believer it's going to blow up either. I'm not sure it'll be like a really common platform like the others. Uh, TikTok is already blowing up, but I think it's um, becoming more and more important in, in sports. And, you know, for a while there, it was kind of looked at as, oh, that's just teenagers. You know, we don't need to be spend time 
in on that. And I think that's not the case anymore. I think it's really important for um, all sports teams and leagues and properties to really take advantage of. Uh, yes, the audience is a little younger in general, but um, those are your future season ticket holders as well. Um, so I think that's a really powerful platform to be a part of. And I'm interested to learn more about and see what happens with YouTube's uh, new shorts platform, which is kind of their version of TikTok. Um, I feel like I don't know if it'll catch on because there's already, you know, people that love TikTok are already on TikTok and and they've already got Instagram stories. And so I don't know that shorts will take on take off for YouTube. But YouTube is like, I think, the second largest search engine in the world behind Google. So tons of people spend time there already. So they may they may have an opportunity to really take off with that. We'll see. It'll be interesting. It's kind of like the streaming world, right? Like you had Netflix, now you got Disney Plus. I mean, there's so many options. And it's yeah. kind of the same thing now in the social media world and, and even the app world where like, what do you pick? How do you, how do you pick? Um, <laughs> if you could, last question for you, Jeremy, if you could add any feature to Instagram, since that's your favorite, what would the feature be that doesn't exist? Oh man. Um, it would be the ability to add a link in my captions. Oh. That's, that sounds really boring and, and basic, but the fact that all day long, every day of the year, I'm posting things for clients that are saying, uh, that are promoting a, you know, a certain web page or a form or a ticket uh, purchase, and I can't include the link in the caption, drives me crazy. So that would be it. Rather well, than saying, go click and click the link in my bio and then having to create a link tree that I'm constantly shuffling links around in to make sure the link is there, um, I, would, I would add links to Instagram. Well, hopefully someone from Instagram hears this and then you'll see things <laughs> out soon at some point, you know, you'll, you'll just know that you heard it here on the life in the front office podcast. Power I'm sure they've heard that a few times before, just like Twitter hears about uh, being able to edit, tw edit tweets that are already posted. I'm sure those are the two things that they both hear the most, but, but links in Instagram would be my priority over the uh, editing tweets. Good to know. Good to know. Well, Jeremy, appreciate the time as part of this uh, Next Up Partner series and excited to uh, uh, follow, give a follow to Rex Chapman. And, and um, we'll you're not on social media, though, so I don't I don't I don't believe you. That's true. <laughs> but appreciate no, it. Th thanks for having me, Jake. And I look forward to uh, getting my box of brain fuel. I need to uh, try that. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by BrainFuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at BrainFuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, Fuel.com, with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like BrainFuel, give us a shout out, comment, share, and leave a review. And a reminder to get your copy of LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move? Our new book written by Andy Dolich and your host, Jake Hirschman. If you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.